Hello, and you're very welcome to another edition of The Others, the Alan Kinsella podcast, where I look at small parties and groups that have stood in Irish elections over the years. This week, we're taking a look at the Irish Housewives Association, who ran three candidates in the 1957 general election. Thanks for all the feedback, for the support. As you may know, I have a Patreon now, and the address is patreon.com forward slash electionlit. Thanks very much to all those that have uh, patroned me so far. Um, it's really great um, because I've, I've stuff to, you know, circumstances have changed. So it's nice to be in a position to uh, have less pressure on financially, etc. And I have to get a few things for the website and stuff as well. And if you can subscribe, it would be great. And I think leaving a review is, is a good thing too. Also, uh, if you want to contact me, I'm at electionlit on Twitter, irishelectionliterature at gmail.com, irishelectionliterature.com is the website, and Irish Political Ephemera on Facebook. In the 1957 general election, the Irish Housewives Association fielded three candidates Maureen McGuinness in Dublin North East, Beatrice Dixon in Dublin South West, and Kathleen Swanton in Dublin North Central. So who were the House Irish Housewives Association, what brought them to run and so on? And what, what were their policies? They're actually a very interesting group. This is a, a summary of what the, that I found from the Irish Housewives Association were. The Irish Housewives Association were founded in 1942 to advocate for women's rights in, ho- in the home and on matters relating to consumerism. In Ireland at the time, there was no other group or organisation making efforts to improving the lives of Irish women in both the town and country. The Irish Housewives Association also sought to gain recognition for the women's role in the home and get them more involved in community work and planning. Other issues they would have been active on included women's access to education, removal of the marriage bar within the civil service, full equality of citizenship, pay, taxation and family planning, burning issues in Ireland up until recent times. The Irish Housewives Association sought to work with the authorities to achieve their aims. In contrast to more radical feminist movements such as the Irish Women's Liberation Movement, whose outlook was strongly left-wing and Republican, similar aims but different approaches. When the Irish Housewives Association was formed, it had an enthusiastic and mainly middle-class following that crossed the religious divide. However, as the years went by, new membership rates rose too slowly to replace those leaving. For example, membership in June 1963 was around 500. Average membership was ageing too, and in the early 1990s it was decided that the Irish Housewives Association would be wound up. The work of the Irish Housewives Association is continued in Ireland by the Consumers Association of Ireland and the Council of the S- for the Status of Women. They're quite an important group in Irish society in that they're the kind of first mainstream feminists. But you know, you would have had come in the morning and everything, but this, this, you know, they're looking for, you know, things like the marriage bar, access to education, full equality, you know, full pay, equal pay for women, um, issues like family planning and so on. They wouldn't have been um, 
seen as vote getters, especially in, in in Ireland at the time. But the consumer thing was one of their big uh, issues and prices and stuff initially, and prices and stuff. So prices in connected with the consumer side, prices was a massive issue. Um, the Irish Housewives Association had started in 1942. So that would have been during the war or during the emergency and probably price inflation and that I'm not I'm not that old but prices were very uh, dear to the housewife who was trying to run a run a house and if prices were going up then you know obviously wages tended not to go up to the same extent and you also had price there was no supermarkets and prices were standardised, like a price, pint of milk was the same in every grocery shop, uh, tea, butter and so on. So prices were really important, really, really important. And of course, that was one of the reasons that the, the Irish Housewives Association was set up. Like if you look at, if you collect political ephemera like myself, or you, you have a knowledge of election material, um, you'll know that pricing, there was a typical shopping basket and that would have appeared in material right up until the 80s. Um, like for instance, I have one here from Fine Gael in 1954 and it's actually more quite instructive to see the price rises but also what the, the, what the items uh, being there with the prices are. So just to give you an example, the first thing of, of prices, the first thing is bread, a loaf of bread. So in 1951, when the inter-party government was in power, it was six and a half pence. In 1954, after three years of Fianna Fáil, it was nine and a half pence. So it was quite a rise. And again, you know, that these things would have hit, hit the housewives um, and anybody running a household very hard. The other items in, in this particular uh, selection are flour, which had gone up. Butter, sugar, tea, stout, where it looks like a pint of stout. That had gone up from 11 pence to 1 and 3. Uh, cigarettes, which had gone up from 1 and 8 to 2 and 4. Petrol, income tax. The price of a car, which had been £12 in 1951 and 13 in 1954. I'm not sure what, what model car is, the, is drawn there. And then we had the price of a sending a letter, so a post, a stamp, and of course a wireless license. The wireless license being the um, precursor to the TV license. So these are all, you know, major things that affect people and affect household budgets. And that's why prices were very important to the Irish Housewives Association. You'll also find they've. Um, They've campaigns for hygiene and shop, but also campaigns, um, you know, that there might be unscrupulous. If you've standard pricing, there might be unscrupulous um, grocers or, or shops that might have, uh, say, they were selling you a pound of tea, but it mightn't be a full pound, a pound of butter or whatever, that uh, people were using dodgy weights and all sorts. That was another campaign. Um, that you see see protests from them and of course as well and I'll come to this later there were one other thing was pr promotion of uh, women in politics 
and of course running three candidates um, 1957 was you know speaking speaking that that in uh, their own their own way they were setting an example and as i say they regularly took part in protests and if you look up on youtube breathing in the years 1975 around 24 minutes when abba is playing you'll see a clip of uh, the irish housewives association uh, at a protest the government, if they can't do anything else, they will have to subsidise the basic foodstuffs because women can't take any more of this. And that was Molly Cranny of the Irish Housewives Association being interviewed in 1975. And, and as I say, if you look through the archives, you'll see them at protests for various different things. Uh, so it's not... They're, they're, they're not just lobbying or whatever. They're very much leaders in protest. They're, not, they're out in the streets if it needs be. And obviously, running for an election is an extension of that. In the Hilda Tweedy papers, Hilda Tweedy was one of the founders of the uh, Irish Housewives Association. We just get another um, source on the Irish Housewives Association. The Irish Housewives Association was formed in 1942 with the objective of gaining recognition for the right of housewives to play an active part in all spheres of planning for the community. Among the organisation's first concerns was the fair distribution of goods at a fair price to both producer and consumer and the provision of nutritious food for children. The Irish Housewives Association was instrumental in setting up the Irish Consumers Association in 1966. The organisation lobbied and campaigned on issues such as social welfare provision, public health, education and the law, particularly family law. Following the incorporation of the Irish Women Citizens Organisation into the IHA in 1947, the IHA became affiliated to the International Alliance of Women in 1948, which involved them in issues such as reproductive rights. A magazine, The Irish Housewife, later The Housewife's Voice, was published from 1946 to 1980. The Irish Housewives Association was involved with many other women's organisations and rele rele relevant bodies, including the United Nations, the Council for the Status of Women, and the Women's Representative Council. The organisation had a powerful impact on the visibility of an achievement, an achievement in increased rights and status by women in 20th century Ireland. It's hard to, they tend to have been forgotten because of the, I suppose, the radicalization and so on in the 70s. But even in, in the 40s and 50s, these people would have been viewed as radicals, certainly on their views in family planning. And we later, we find them accused of uh, being communist sympathizers, the usual. We get an idea here of some of the um, Irish Housewives Association's activities in 1947. Protein food prices may be controlled. The Irish Housewives Association's deputation to the Par Department of Industry and Commerce has been informed that the re-imposition of price control on fish, eggs and potatoes was being considered. An investigation is to be made also into the price charged by Provender Millers. The deputation's purpose was to protest against the high prices of protein foods with special references to egg prices. It submitted a budget showing that a weekly expenditure of two and eight shillings 
one pence was necessary to provide a family of five with sufficient proteins containing milk, meat, fats, fish, eggs, margarine and butter. Mrs Hilda Tweedy, Joint Secretary, pointed out that most people had that sum only for complete housekeeping. It left nothing for fruit, vegetables or bread, not to mention fuel or rent. The deputation also proposed that milk for children should be reduced to a price that parents could afford and, if necessary, should be rationed. So it's really practical things. And as I say, the prices. And I think I mentioned before, like there was no supermarkets then. Prices were standardised. Um, and government, you read there, you know, government and the government putting in price controls for things. Like supermarkets, I think it was the late 50s. Certainly my own grandparents ran a shop, a grocery shop in Drumcondra. I'm told the first supermarket in Ireland uh, opened up next door to them, um, which hastened uh, the end of the business, um, the family business. But anyway, that's a, that's a different story. There were ads too to join the Irish Housewives Association. Non-party, non-sectarian consumers, defend your rights, help us to help you and to reduce the cost of living. That was, so that was their thing and of course they had their magazine, The Irish Housewife, as well. In the late 40s we read that the housewives deny support of communism. At an extraordinary general meeting of the Irish Housewives Association, including branches, specially convened to discuss a protest against the sending of a message to the Paris Peace Congress, it was decided to issue the following statement. As our action in sending a message to the Paris Peace Congress has been misunderstood by some of our members, protests were received from some of our branches, including Bray and Mount Merriam, and it appears to have been misconstrued by some of the public, we wish to state that our message meant no more than what it said, and we deny that it could possibly be taken as implying support of communism. It does not, of course, bind us in any way to acknowledge or accept any decisions made or resolutions passed by the Paris, Paris Con Congress. We ask fair-minded people to reread our message of peace, demanding freedom of religion, freedom of speech and civil liberties for the individual, and note that it could no sense be taken as a pro-communist message. The message was, we, the Irish Housewives Association, being an organisation independent of all political parties, call on the women of the world to sink their political differences and unite to work for peace. We welcome any genuine efforts to preserve peace and believe that the women of the world, like ourselves, desire peace to bring up their children in a free country where freedom from want, freedom of religion, freedom of speech and the civil liberties of the individual are guaranteed. The association statement was signed by Mrs. A.D. Skeffington and Mrs. M.H. Tweedy, Joint Honorary Secretaries. So, the Red Scare. <laughs> it's amazing, like anything communist. And it turns out that from 1954 until the early 60s, the Irish Housewives Association was infiltrated and investigated by Archbishop John Charles McQuaid's Vigilant Committee for Communist Activity. There's a piece in History Ireland in 2015 about uh, one of the people, Una Byrne, who was one of the people who infiltrated, um, infiltrated the Irish Housewives Association. She was an ardent Catholic, but if we go back to the communist scares, like for instance the Roscommon Herald 
1953 or 1952 had suggested that the Irish Housewives Association had always been used as a medium of expression by Marxists and communists. It later apologised for the thing. But Una Byrne, who was an ardent Catholic, and viewed the IHA as a group, a group as as they were with suspicion, because they were composed mainly of Protestant women. She joined, went to meetings, and started and infiltrated the group. There's a big, as I say, there's a big uh, piece in it, and it's really, really fascinating. I suppose it was a wider pattern of infiltration by the church in anything that was seen as unusual or threatening. Byrne actually by 1957 was the chair of their international committee and from there she used her position but it was just there was was there an organization that they didn't infiltrate? Like actually it's uh, and as, as an aside I'm, I reread Masterminds of the Right recently by Emily O'Reilly and if you thought the left was bad with front groups god almighty these um the Catholicism and everything, the Knights of Columbanus and these people were incredible. Put up some amount of front organisations in a twisted web to try and keep the country Catholic, I suppose, but Catholic in their image. But it's, I would assume every organisation was infiltrated by, uh, by Catholicism. Anyway, I'll post a link to the article after, after the, because it's quite long. And it kind of diverges, but it just just shows the suspicion that they were um, anything out of the mainstream was treated with by the uh, church authorities. You know, they may may seem mild, as I said, they may seem mild, but they were seen as radical, equal pay for women, and there was other things as well, like uh, you know, to have women serves on, serve on juries. You know, the, the equal pay, everything. It, it, this was radical. And it, obviously it doesn't seem so now, but it was at the time. So the Irish Housewives Association continued on their work lobbying for prices and for various other other things. And then in 1957, the decision was made to run three candidates in the general election. Now, it wasn't met with unanimity um, by the association. There were various branches, such as Drogheda and so on, actually spoke out against running uh, candidates. I think earlier on I read out a, a recruitment ad and it said it was non-political and they felt that, that going into the realms of uh, politics was was a bit much but you know crossed the line but um, the candidates in question and other members of the, the association figured it was time to run an election and draw attention to their draw draw attention to the, their issues, which they felt weren't being addressed, and I think you'll notice in this series that it's often a last resort to run for election for various pressure groups. That um, just to get their own, um, just to get their voices heard and to get an issue back on the agenda. The three candidates were Mairead McGuinness in Dublin North East, uh, Beatrice Dixon in Dublin South West and Kathleen Swanton in Dublin North Central. So they actually got a lot of attention because they were women 
and women candidates were really unusual. You know, there was only a couple of TDs in the Dáil that were women. Um, it, it was actually a novelty for a lot of constituencies to have a, a, a woman running. They wrote letters to uh, the press um, looking forward, uh, looking for um, candidates and so on, and, and for people to vote for women. Yeah, an example, um, an example of these. Sir, may we urge the women of Ireland at this time of national crisis to use their votes with intelligence and discrimination and where possible to support women candidates. Although this country was one of the earliest to enfranchise women, she has lagged behind other European countries in according them full recognition in public life. The number of women in both central and local government is lamentably low in view of the fact that according to the last available, available figures, April 1953, over 49% or nearly half of the total of 1,776,644 on the electoral roll were women. We urge the women to come forward as candidates for the Doyle Aaron in the coming general election and also earnestly appeal to the political parties to put forward women candidates in all constituencies. Yours faithfully. Edith K. Selim and Mairead McGuinness, Joint Honorary Secretaries, the Irish Housewives Association. Um, like this is way beyond it, ahead of its time, you know, if you think of gender quotas and stuff introduced. They were looking for, par trying to get the parties to run more women and, and indeed more women to go forward. The Sunday Independent covered the campaign. Three women all housewives, completely independent of any political party, have announced their intention to go forward as independent candidates in the forthcoming election. All are members of the Thousand Strong, Woman Strong Irish Housewives Association, a non-political, non-sectarian organisation. And it has um, Housewives' Choice as the uh, headline. And Darcy finds the, finds the lady on the platform planks. So this is uh, the pictures and profiles of the three. Mrs. Mairead McGuinness, Joint Honorary Secretary, Irish Housewives Association of Clonny Road, Donny Carney, will contest Dublin North East. Born in Connemara, educated at the Presentation Convent Galway and St. Louis Convent's Kilchimock, she is a graduate nurse of Faulkner Hospital, Boston. The mother of four children, one of her platform planks is playgrounds, clubs and training centres for children and young people. Mrs. Beatrice Dixon, President Irish Housewives Association 1954 to 1955 of Terry Road East will contest Dublin Southwest. A daughter of Professor Bailey Butler and mother of a five-year-old girl, she was educated in Alexandra College and Ursline Convent, Waterford. An active social worker, her aims include ensuring the women's point of view in legislation affecting women in the home. Miss Kathleen, Kathleen Swanton, of Hollybrook Road from Conva will contest Dublin North Central. Born in the US and educated in the Convent of Mercy Limerick, she trained as a nurse in the South Infirmary Cork. She ran a small mixed farm at Glandore County Cork as well as doing voluntary work. In Dublin she runs a small convalescent home and is an active social worker. Now everything seems there is whether they were born, where they were educated, are they married, how many children they have. And this is just common of the time. But we look, for instance, at Mairead McGuinness. 
As Marie de Lapp, um, she had been active in the War of Independence and the Civil War on the Republican side. She ended up imprisoned in Kilmainham Jail and her, you know, what she wrote on the wall in Kilmainham Jail is still there for all to see. I don't know if you've ever done the tour of Kilmainham Jail. There's all sorts of names up on the wall of people who were there. But she, Marie de Lapp, is one of the people whose names is on the wall there in a cell. So, you know, the, this stuff is left out. And then, of course, later on, her daughter-in-law is retired uh, Supreme Court Justice Catherine McGuinness, and who also served in the Shannon in 1979 and served there until 1987. Her son is the late Prunchius McEnangasa, stood in 1965 in Louth as the Labour candidate and in 1969 in Dunleary as an independent. And then, you know, so there was so much more to Mairead McGuinness. Beatrice Dixon was very active in the campaign um, to have women serve on juries. And indeed, in 1957, Beatrice Dixon uh, was, became the first uh, woman to serve on a jury in Ireland. So these are, you know, they're, they're not, they're more than just um, past education, past uh, the n number of children they have and so on. Kathleen Swanton was a councillor um, in Dublin, had been elected for the Ratepayers Party in 1950 in the local elections. Indeed, she was re-elected to the council in 1960, I think it was and she was an independent housewives candidate, so she was running as an um, Irish housewives candidate there. So she was a woman of standing in her own right. It wasn't who she was married to or many children, or many children she had. But so they're really, really, um, really, really interesting candidates and really high achieving women. And yet you, you, that doesn't come across um, in the profiles. It's all about, oh, these women are running. So what did their election material say? Well, Mairead McGuinness's, um, Mairead McGuinness, um, her election uh, material stated, it's just a flyer somebody sent me a picture of. Doyle Air in elections, 1957, Dublin North East, independent. So there were independent candidates and the, the uh, leaflets were issued by the Irish Housewives Association. Do you want good housekeeping in the nation's affairs? Two, an all-out effort to provide employment. Three, a check on extravagant public expenditure. Four, to bring down the cost of living. Then vote number one McGuinness Maraid, S-R-N. So good housekeeping of the nation's affairs. So, you know, obviously uh, we're um, housewives and you know, we know how to run a house. An all-out effort to provide employment, really, really important. Unemployment and immigration and everything were very high at this stage. And it was felt by elements of society that the government weren't doing enough, um, that it was, I suppose, ever thus, it was the safety valve to um, for the economy. Exa check on extravagant public expenditure, that's a common one and bringing down the cost of living. So you go back to the prices and everything that I was mentioning earlier. So the election came and um, how did they do? Well, Kathleen Swanton in Dublin North Central polled 669 votes, uh, which put her ahead of Frederick Mullen of Fine Gael and Thomas Doherty of Clan and Publica. That wasn't bad. 
In Dublin Northeast, Mairead McGuinness polled 1,640 votes, finishing ahead of Patrick McCartan of Clonna Public, but still over 4% of the vote, which was, which was huge. In, and in Dublin Southwest, Beatrice Dixon polled an impressive 2,488 votes getting 6.3% uh, of the vote, almost the same as uh, she was just two, she was less than 200 votes behind um, Sean McBride and beat Sinn Féin, Labour, Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil, uh, multiple Fine Gael candidates in that election. And just to give you an idea um, on a wider level about the women involved in politics, in that 1957 election of the 147 TDs, four were women, 2.7%. So that's pretty, pretty poor. And indeed, it's not until uh, 1981 that we get uh, uh, female TDs in double figures. And even then, it's 1992 before we get um, female TDs in over 10%, over 10% of female TDs. So they were well, well ahead of their time. Um, in looking for female or women to participate in elections in electoral parties, but also calling on parties to run women, because you know it, it was years and years and years before that actually took place, and it's not as if this called for quotas. Or I don't know whether they um, were looking for gender quotas or not, but it was a. a um, you know they were they were ahead of their time, and I suppose they they were Ireland's first um, active feminist group, but in a kind of a conservative type of way. Continuing on their theme of getting women in, involved in politics, in the nineteen sixty seven local elections, there were two candidates. Um, well, they weren't official Irish Housewives Association candidates, but as a letter explains, a letter to the, well, the, the Evening Echo explains, I'll just read the letter. A recent letter to your columns asked if the Irish Housewives Association were putting up candidates for the forthcoming local elections. Although the IHA has not officially appointed a candidate to stand for election, the chairman of the court branch of the IHA, Mrs. Kerry Collins, is a candidate for the Ratepayers Party in South West Ward. We are giving our full support to Mrs. Collins because we consider to be her to be the ideal person to uphold the rights of the housewife on the corporation and because she will also be fighting for reduced rates. And that was from the, the, the Joint Honorary Secretaries in Cork. Also in Dublin, in Dublin, uh, Mrs. Carmel Gleeson of Black Rock, and of course her partner, wife of a solicitor and a mother of a 13-year-old son, enters local government for the first time as a member of the Dublin County Council. Joint Honorary Secretary of the Irish Housewives Association, which sponsored her candidature and helped her in her election campaign. She represents a partly urban and rural area. She got elected. But in 1967, in those local elections, and again I'm going back to the lack of women in politics, with women candidates winning 4 out of 195 seats in the 11 corporations and 21 seats out of 687 in the 27 county councils, the recent elections could scarcely be described as a landslide in favour of the petticoat local government. 
Indeed, Dublin Corporation reduced its feminine representation from three to one. Only Mrs. Catherine Byrne Fine Gael, a former Lord Mayor of Dublin, retained her place. Nevertheless, there are indications that women are entering more positively into public life, and at least two of the successful candidates went forward with the blessing and support of their women's organisations. So they did, um, as part of their remit uh, to get more women involved in politics, they did sponsor candidates, although they weren't official Irish Housewives Association uh, candidates. But, you know, you can see there from the um, numbers elected, it's, it's shocking. Four out of 195 in corporate seats and corporations and just 21 out of 687 in the 27 county councils is just incredible. And like this is the 1967, like it's not 1944, you know, 1967 when the country was meant to be moving on. And um, as I said earlier, after much work, they dissolved, I think, in the early 90s. But they're really interesting organisation and well worth researching further. Um, I don't have any copies of The Irish Housewife and so on. It was a group that was really influential and did great work and were ahead of their times in many ways. And as I said, the, the women who ran were really um, considerable women. They were uh, role models um, and, and did a lot of work. Uh, to improve the status of women in Ireland. Thanks very much for listening. Obviously, there'll be another one next week. I'd be delighted if you could subscribe to the podcast and, of course, feedback and everything welcome. I'd love if you could uh, support me on the Patreon. It's for the website and the podcast and everything. Um, I'm just, I was made redundant there recently. I'm just wondering, is there a way to make a career using all the ephemera and knowledge I have um, that would tide me tied me through and um, so support would be great it's patreon.com uh, forward slash election lit thanks very much